Thank you for joining us for this podcast from Abundant Life. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this word. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, the Bible says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Verse 6 says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, He is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Last verse I'm going to read before I pray. Verse 12 says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. I want to speak to you this morning from a Bible study titled, Are You Carnal or Spiritual? Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this opportunity to be here. Lord, I thank you for the love that you have for us, and I thank you for revealing your word to us through this book. God, I pray that you would anoint my mouth and mind now to speak things that will be sound doctrine. Teach us, Lord, what you would have us to know. God, I pray that you would infuse us with greater faith. Give us a greater passion for your word, for your will, and for your way. God, I pray, Lord, that today you would begin to do something in us and through us that would change us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Typically, even in the way I would say what I just said, and I surprised myself by saying it, because usually on Sunday morning, I would say, I want to speak to you this morning from a sermon titled, but I said from a Bible study titled. When I read such a long passage of Scripture to open up, it's usually going to be more teachy than preachy. So you're probably going to have less to shout about tonight, this morning, and less to get pumped up about, but more to think about. Say, think. Here's the problem. People don't like to think. People don't want to think. That's why the television is so popular. That's why entertainment is so popular. Listen, that's why amusement parks are so popular. The word amuse, even in and of itself, comes from two different words. The word ah, meaning not, and the word muse, meaning think. So when you're being amused, what are you not doing? People want to be amused. People want to be entertained. It's happened in the church world. That's why if you go to a really cool church, right, Not a really cool church with laser light shows and fog machines. Nothing wrong with laser light shows and fog machines. But if you go to a really cool church where they make sure that they only preach for 20 minutes and and they they sing you happy, encourage, motivate you happy, and then set you free without putting any requirement on you, then you you would leave feeling entertained. I don't think you're going to leave feeling entertained today, but I believe you can think. Say think. I've had so many people say, and I get it, uh, that... I probably should preach less than an hour and six minutes on average when the national average is now below 25 minutes. But I do not believe that the people of God are ignorant as much as the experts are saying. I think you can think for longer than 22 minutes. Can you do that today? We'll find out. If somebody falls asleep, nudge them. If they fall over uh, and just, you know, lay out on the floor, pretend it's the Holy Ghost, and we'll keep moving. Look at verse 1. I'm just going to walk through these verses with you this morning. And we're going to do a little Bible study. It's going to be more Sunday night than Sunday morning. It's going to be more Wednesday night than Sunday morning. But I believe God wants us to look at this and get our minds right. There was a great book out recently. And listen, if I quote something from a book or from an author, you've been around me long enough, you should know. I don't want you sending me an email telling me everything you disagree with that person I quoted from. It's not a wholesale um, reference for them. It's not, I believe in everything they say, but Joyce Meyer put a book out years ago called uh, The Battlefield in the Mind. And I want you to know that the mind is where this wrestling match happens between the flesh and the spirit. 
the mind is where this wrestling match happens between carnality and spirituality. See, we like to tell ourselves, Pastor, I did it. I did it before I even had a chance to think about it. Before I even thought about it, I cussed him out and believed I didn't. No, you thought about it. Your mind just works quicker. You, you, you think about stuff before you do it. You have to. It's the way the body moves. It's the brain that sends signals to your body to react. And the mind is where this wrestling match happens. So I want you to get your mind right this morning. But you got to be willing to think and you got to be willing to walk through some of this stuff as we try to set our minds right in the spring of 2016 so we can be who God wants us to be for the rest of our life. Too many people are sitting back waiting on God to do something great in them. Too many people are sitting back waiting on God to do the next big thing in them without us doing anything to prepare our own spirituality. Listen, if you're not planting a lot of seeds, you're not going to grow much harvest. If you're not investing in your spirituality, you're not going to have much of a harvest of spirituality. And I want us to make sure that we get everything out of this life that God has promised us. I want us to make sure that we do and become all that God has called us to do and become. So we're going to walk through this thing and we're going to look at being carnal or being spiritual. The choice is easy, but we need to learn some things so we can properly apply the word of God. In verse 1, the Bible says, there is, we lost the verse. Romans 8.1. We're having some difficulty. Hallelujah. That's why you, uh, hey, some of y'all still bringing Bibles to church. That's a good thing. Romans 8.1 says, there is therefore now, say now. There is therefore now no condemnation. That's a good message all by itself. There's a lot of preaching just in those few words right there. But the whole book of Romans is a deep, heavy book. It's filled with doctrine. And the Scripture tells us that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If you want to get a verse of Scripture to put on a 3 by 5 card, if you want to write something on your bathroom mirror, if you want to get a T-shirt that keeps your mind staying fresh on something cool about the Bible, you need to keep this in the front of your mind. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Listen, the world wants to condemn you. Is this on? Do y'all hear me? The world wants to condemn you. Oh, we're up. We're up in a different format, but I'm going to pretend I like it. There is therefore now no condemnation. The devil wants you to walk in condemnation. There are so many people that are so bound by the mistakes of their past, so many people that are so condemned in their own mind by how they failed God in the past. Let me tell you something. Real Christians don't care how bad you failed God in the past. They just want to rejoice with you in what God is doing in your life right now. God does not want to be concerned with how bad you failed him in the past because it's God who inspired Paul to tell us that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Listen, some of you have messed up in the past, and by some of you, I mean all of you. Anybody? Not just messed up. I, I, I just, the church has just got it so wrong in so many things doctrinally. That's why we have to have more than one service a week. That's why we need to have Sunday night Bible study and Wednesday night Bible study so we can straighten out some of this mess because I've heard so many people tell me over the last 35 years of being in church, well, you know, before I was a Christian, I did this, but I haven't done that since. Listen, I, I, I did stuff before I was a Christian I was ashamed of. Anybody? I'm going to tell you something. I've done stuff since I've been a Christian that I'm ashamed of. Anybody? All right. These people have this mindset as if, you know, once you get saved, you're not going to do stuff. You're not, you're not going to drift into bad stuff. Listen, as long as you are living wrapped in this thing we call the flesh, you're going to struggle. You're going to fail, and you're going to have faults. The only perfect person in the world is Jesus, and that's why we need him. But you need to get in your mind that you are not condemned. Because there are too many people sitting in churches today feeling the condemnation. Why? Because that's what church did to them. Because some person with bad theology took them and exposed them in a mistake, took them and exposed them in a sin, in a trap, in a backslide, in a failure, and made them feel bad about it, made them feel condemned about it, made them think that you no longer can serve God at the level that you desire to serve God because you messed up in the past. Listen, if God could only use perfect people, God would have no options left in the world. He would have had to keep Jesus around forever in human form. God is not condemning you. If you don't get anything I've got to say today, you need to get this. There is no condemnation. You need to start telling yourself, I will not walk in condemnation. I will not. Paul, the greatest Christian in the first century, he told his 
dearest friends at Philippi, this is my key to success. This is my real key to victory. I forget everything in the past, and I press forward right now. If you want to be the man, the woman, young person that God wants you to be, here's what you need to do. You need to forget everything in the past, and you need to press into God right now. You need to forget all your failures in the past that the devil will try to remind you of and keep you bound up and condemned over. But listen, not just your failures. You need to forget all your successes in the past too because they can mess you up equally as bad. I can't tell you the number of people that I run into that tell me, oh, Pastor Scott, I used to ush, I used to deek, I used to teach, I used to sing. Oh, I led worship. I pastored a church. I founded a church. Listen, it's not about what you were doing, good or bad. It's about what you're doing right now because God is a right now God. So we need to get a right now mindset, and we need to get a mindset that says, I'm not condemned. Some of y'all need to grab a hold of this. Some of y'all need to make this part of the fabric of who you are. God does not condemn you. Man does. Oh, church folk do. Preachers, pastors, Christian leaders, they love to condemn people. Why? Because basic psychology says that if you feel bad about yourself, bad on somebody else, in somehow twisted kind of way, it'll give you a sense of I'm not as bad as they are. Listen, you're not my measuring stick. I'm not your measuring stick. God is our measuring stick. Jesus is our balance bar. And we're all so far below that that we can't condemn anybody. We're all failures when it comes to measuring up to who Jesus is. That's why your cry in prayer ought to be that old chorus, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. How often? Every hour, I need thee. If you are still part of that negative, bitter, backwards, condemning church culture, you, because somebody made you feel bad about who you are, so you're going around making people feel bad about who they are, you need to walk in the freedom of the truth of the Word of God that says there's now, right now today, no condemnation for us because we're in Christ. I don't condemn me, I don't condemn you. And anybody who does that is walking outside the Scripture. But pay attention to the words in the Bible. God's words are specific. They're there for a purpose. He said there is therefore. Told you many times, anytime you see the word therefore or wherefore, you need to read the preceding verses and see what it's there for. You see the word therefore, you got to go back a little bit and find out what that word is there for. Therefore means based on the things that I've just said. Based on what he just said in chapter 7. Well, what's he saying in chapter 7? I'm not going to take time to walk you through it. Read the book of Romans this month. Don't go to it now because faith comes by hearing. And if you read on me, you're not going to hear what God has to say to you. But basically what he's saying in Romans chapter 7 is I'm a failure. I'm all messed up. I want to do good, but I find myself doing bad. I'm trying to do better, but I find myself doing worse. And he ends chapter 7 by saying, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He's saying, I'm the biggest failure in the world, and I'm tired of it. How do I stop failing God? And then God turns right around in the very next verse and inspires him to say, Look, there's no condemnation. There is no condemnation. Now, we need to learn as believers how to differentiate between conviction, which comes from the Holy Ghost, and condemnation, which comes from the devil and preachers and mean-hearted church folk. Conviction from the Holy Spirit is always very specific. It says you should not have said that word. You should not have chosen that course of action. You should not have done that specific thing. Conviction is specific. Say specific. Condemnation is general. Condemnation is general, and it's about you. It doesn't say you shouldn't have said those wrong words. It says you're wrong. It doesn't say you shouldn't have done that wrong thing. It says you're a failure. Anytime you feel your person attacked, anytime you feel such a broad stroke general, well, I just stink at everything, and I'm no good, and nobody's ever going to believe in me, and God hates me, that is not conviction That's condemnation, and you need to realize God doesn't work in condemnation. The church works in condemnation. For some kind of reason, the church loves to make people feel bad about who they are and their failures. I I want you to know I lived a long time, 52 years on this planet. I got it all figured out. We all feel pretty bad about our own failures. Can anybody say amen? We all know how bad we stink, but we need to learn some new information to counterbalance that and understand no matter how many times you messed up, God loves you in spite of you, and he's still got a plan to use you for his glory. No condemnation. To who? To those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, it goes on to say in this last verse, now see, you got a comma after Christ Jesus, and I tell you all the time, pay attention to the punctuation. It'll help you understand literature, especially the Bible. 
This next phrase right here is so difficult that many commentators believe that there, there, there's a, a sticky point as to how much of this was really even written in the original text because it puts a qualifier on condemnation, and there is no qualifier on being uncondemned. It says that where there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Now, this context of walking in the flesh and walking in the Spirit is very accurate. But whether you walk in the flesh or you walk in the Spirit, if you are in Christ, say in Christ. If you are in Christ, no matter if you're carnal or spiritual, there's no condemnation. So don't take the last half of verse 1 and think, oh, well, maybe I'm condemned because I've been walking so heavy in the flesh. No, this is not what the Word of God teaches. But the Bible does deal with this issue, and Romans deals with this issue a lot, of carnality versus spirituality of fleshly living versus spiritual living. Now, I'm going to see how many Bible geniuses are in the room. Of all the people who come to church, I'm talking about there every time the door is open, saved, sanctified, fire baptized, convinced they're going to heaven, reading their Bible, paying tithes, offerings, keeping the nursery, and cleaning the church up. How many of you believe that those people are, mo- are those people mostly fleshly or mostly spiritual? Y'all scared now? I heard fleshly and spiritual. Let me tell you something. Everything that I just said can be done in the flesh. I can preach in the flesh. He can sing in the flesh. He can deek in the flesh. He can greet and ush in the flesh. It can all be done in the power of the flesh. And I want to tell you something. The majority of what the world is seeing, even inside churches, is being done in the flesh. Not being done in the spirit. Why do you think people don't like church? I love what one author said. The reason why most people don't come to church because they went and they didn't like it. Why didn't they like it? Because there was so much flesh going on. They were being preached to in the flesh, a condemning mean message instead of message of hope and love that we find in God's Word. We need to start freeing ourselves. I'm not talking about a license to sin. I'm not talking about feeling good about just messing up on purpose. But I'm saying get yourself out of condemnation because you can't walk for God if you're busy condemning yourself. But this issue of carnality versus spirituality comes up a lot, especially in the book of Romans. And the majority of people, saved people, are walking in the flesh more than they're walking in the spirit. Oh, not me, Pastor Scott. Well, we know you're perfect and your humility needs no work, but pray for the rest of us as we try to walk honestly through this week and become all that God wants us to be so we can catch up to how holy you are. That's sarcasm. The word carnal comes from a Greek word, sark, where we get, or, or where the Greeks got the word sarkinos, which means everything that relates to the natural, everything that relates to the fleshly, just mundane, how the unbeliever lives. It's the Adams family. They, they do what they want to do, say what they want to say, dance how they want to dance, play how they want to play. That's the flesh. You, you, you don't have to teach people how to live in the flesh. If you don't believe that, remember your babies. If, if, you don't, if you think your babies were perfect because your memory is shot, go into the nursery and watch how little two- and three-year-olds play with each other. They, they sound like those pelicans off Nemo or whatever those birds were. What did they say? Mine, 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 mine. You don't have to. You, do you realize you don't have to teach people how to lie? Now, I don't, I don't know if you ever saw it. I love to see memes that are funny, uh, just listen to people talk. It's the image of the little boy. You told him, stay out of them cookies. Don't eat no cookies before dinner. You come in, Junior, you've been eating cookies? No, sir. Cookies all over his mouth. Who taught him to lie? Didn't have to be taught to lie. We came out of the womb dead in trespasses and sin. We came out of the womb with a sin nature. We came out of the womb loving the flesh and not being alive to the spirituals. And that's why we have to have what the Bible refers to as a born-again experience. You just can't be born once. you got to be born again so you can come alive to the things of the Spirit. So this carnality denotes basic human nature, the earthly nature of apart from God's influence, that is prone to sin and, listen, opposed to God. Do you realize that this world is opposed to God? Your flesh is opposed to God. Oh, not mine, Pastor Scott. I'm, I'm sanctified. Uh, you, you, you need to check yourself. 
Your flesh is opposed to God. We all, the Bible says, have this treasure. What treasure? The treasure of God's Spirit. If you're saved, you have the treasure of God's Spirit on the inside of you. The Scripture says we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. This body that we have is prone to sin, disease, and decay. And we need to choose spirituality because we will naturally default to carnality. Your default switch will be spiritual failure, not spiritual success. The Bible says children left to themselves. I had a parent tell me one time, Pastor, I don't believe in all that spanking. Really? Well, watch how my kids obey me and watch how your kids obey you, and let's just contrast to see which one worked out better. I've had people say, well, I had one family tell me one time, Pastor, I just believe it's, it's just my job to keep them safe and, and just let them choose their own path in life and let them figure things out. Listen. They will choose failure every time. The Bible says a child left to himself will bring his parents to shame. So a spiritual child left to themselves will bring their heavenly father to shame. We need greater influence on us. We need to set our mind on something better than what our default switch is. And I want you today, tonight, tomorrow, sometime in your life to come to a very real understanding of are you not as the pastor, not as your spouse, not as your significant other, not as mom and daddy in them, not as grandma and them spiritual. See, that's the trick of the devil, to get you focusing on somebody else. That, that's why the devil wants you to focus on everybody else so you don't spend any time checking you. But you need to determine, are you focused more on spiritual things or are you focused more on carnal things? And I want to show you why, according to the Scripture, that it would benefit us if we would set our mind on the right thing. Verse 1 promises from God that we will not be condemned. That's the good news. If you don't get anything, get this. If you are in Christ, if you are connected to Christ, I'm not talking about church membership. I'm talking about if you've had a spiritual encounter where God saved you, changed you, put his spirit on the inside of you, set you into the body of Christ, then you have no condemnation in you. You're in a good place, a good place. But we got to move on from there, and we've got to look, and we've got to see where we go from not just being not condemned, but to having great joy, to having great success, because I would love to see people in church happier. I would love to see people in church less miserable, less negative, less downcast, less hard on themselves and hard on other people. We go around, our job is to tell the whole world, come to Jesus. Our job is to tell the whole world that we have the one true faith. But if we're telling them that and we're busted, disgusted, can't be trusted, if we're sad and depressed, if we're all medicated out of our minds because we we can't wake up or go to sleep without help from something else, why would anybody want what we've got? Now, I don't say that Reverend Ike had the right theology, but Reverend Ike had the right mindset. Y'all don't know Reverend Ike in the 70s? Reverend Ike said, I can't lose with what I use. And you need to understand, if you are saved for real, if you are in Christ and Christ is in you, you cannot lose. The Bible says that we are the ones who are victorious, but I talk to people all week long. How you doing, man? Oh, Rev, I'm just holding on. Just trying to make it till Jesus comes back. God did not leave you on this planet to hold on. He put you here to dominate. He put us here to have dominion over everything, and we've got to get our minds focused on the spiritual things so that we can move out of this fleshly lifestyle that we all know so well into this spiritual lifestyle that we all know so little. The Bible has this contrast carnal versus spiritual, fleshly versus spiritual, natural things versus supernatural things. The the book of Galatians talks about the fruit of the flesh versus the fruit of the spirit. We've studied this a lot. The fruit's job is to reveal the root. If you look at a tree, you might know what it is because you're a tree expert. Uh, If I look at a tree, you say, Pascal, what kind of tree is that? If there's nothing hanging off it, I don't know. I don't know, but if I walk over to it and I see lemons all on the ground, I'm going to take a guess. That is what? Man, y'all are sharp. If it's got oranges on the ground, I'm throwing the lemon guess out. Now, if it's got that weird-looking half-orange, half-weird, I don't know what that is. You are tangerine, tangelo, tangemi, tangemo. I don't know, but I get a good idea. 
from the fruit. Why? Because the fruit's job is to reveal the root. The fruit's job is to outwardly tell the world what's happening on the inside of that tree. And the fruit in our life are the things that people see on the outside of us that should reveal what's on the inside of us. But check this out. Too many times we're given the wrong picture. That's why when I hear people say, Pastor Scott, I almost gave him peace in my mind. Oh, well, don't do that. They'll, they'll, they'll think that's the wrong fruit. <laughs> they, don't nobody need a piece of your mind. That's why the Bible says we got to let Christ's mind be in us. We're not out here to represent us. We're out here to represent Christ. But I, I want to just show you a quick contrast between what car, what's carnal and what's spiritual. What's fleshly, carnal means flesh, and what is spiritual. Listen to Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. The Bible says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, that's flesh, say flesh. This is what the Bible means when it talks about a carnal lifestyle. The results are very clear. Absolutely, the results are very clear. The Bible says you know them by their fruit. Well, what is the fruit of sinful nature? What, what does carnality look like? According to Colossians chapter 5, verse 19, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, you're like, well, Pastor Scott, I don't do that because I'm saved and sanctified. Okay, well, let's keep going. Verse 20, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling. Gotcha. Jealousy. You can argue with me about how spiritual you are. I got you for quarreling already. Jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division. Well, Pastor Scott, I don't do any of that because I'm too saved. For Verse 21, let's keep going. Envy drunkenness, wild parties. You're like, Pastor Scott, I ain't doing any of those. I swear God be my witness. All right, well, that's why God put a, put a comma after wild parties. <laughs> comma means pause. Think about all that stuff. You, you, you're, too, you're too caught up in, in how good you think you are that you think your pet sin hadn't been touched on yet when in reality it has. But even if you think that it hasn't, God threw a blanket over, over He threw a wet blanket over your personal fire by saying, and other sins like these. You're not exempt. If it didn't, uh, oh, it, it, it didn't say smoking weed. Well, where's in the Bible that say don't smoke weed? It doesn't say don't smoke weed in the Bible. But it does say don't be drunk and don't go to wild parties. And best I can tell, you know, there's a correlation there. It may not have said you're, spe- where in the Bible does it say don't do what I'm doing? Where in the Bible does it say don't spend nine hours a day on internet porn? Well, it doesn't say don't spend nine hours a day on internet porn in the Bible. But it does say don't do sins that are like these. So everybody's sin is touched on by showing us what the fruit of the flesh, what the works of the flesh. And The Bible says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. The Bible's specific. Read what it says. Don't read into what it says. Read what it says. Let it say what it says. Don't try to make it say what you want it to say. Let it speak for itself. It didn't say anybody who does these things is lost and going to hell. It says anyone living that sort of life. Now, see, you can do some of this stuff, but not be living that sort of life. You can fall back. You can do some wrong without living that sort of life. That's a different message for a different time. But let me keep moving into verse 22 to see the difference, the contrast from the flesh to the spirit. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against There is no law against these things. If you do these things, you don't have to worry about looking up every law in the Bible. If you live a life that is characterized by these things, you're in good shape. Say good shape. And I'm going to tell you what, having pastored for a long time, there's more things going on in the church off that first list than there is off that second list. There's more quarreling inside most churches than there is gentleness and self-control. There is more jealousy and envy inside most churches. There's more selfish ambition and division inside most churches than there is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. There's more of the wrong stuff than there is of the right stuff. Why? Because we naturally default to the wrong stuff. You think, oh, not me. 
I'm different than that. I'm better than that. Listen, the devil would love to have you confused into thinking that since you got saved, that you have become so perfect that you don't need to hear God's word anymore. I have asked this question to people for the last three decades, and have been shocked by the answer people have given me. I've had people leave this church and say the reason they left Abundant Life is because Pastor Scott believes a Christian can live a fleshly lifestyle. And I'm thinking... That's why you left. You couldn't find nothing better to leave over that. I could have gave you a thousand things to leave better over that. If you don't know that a Christian can live a fleshly lifestyle, you're not really being honest about yourself. You don't have to look to pastors and preachers, evangelists, prophets, and teachers to find out who's not living a perfect lifestyle. All you got to do is look in the mirror to, to realize that none of us are perfect. I've asked this, what's the question? Can a true Christian be carnal? There are denominations out there that believe that the old way is completely eradicated and you can't go back to it. I want to tell you this. Whatever you used to do before you met Christ, you take your eyes off Jesus for one second, you'll go right back to it. What, what did Peter say when Jesus, when Jesus died and left, when Jesus was gone and they couldn't find him? Peter said, I'm going back to fishing. He didn't say, I want to go fishing this afternoon. He said, I'm going back to fishing. And you need to be careful and you need to realize and walk in humility and understanding that says one second with your eyes off God, you could go right back to doing the same aberrant behavior you were doing before you met Christ. That's why we need to make sure that we position our minds on the spiritual things and not on the carnal things. I've had so many people say, oh, no, the carnal nature is dead. We've come alive to Christ and, and real Christians don't, don't have those struggles. Listen to what the Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 3.1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Is a babe in Christ a Christian? Yes, they are. What kind of Christian are they? Selfish, fleshly, worldly, bitter, quarreling, divisive, mine, me, and me. What is that? That's carnal. Verse 2 the word says, I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it. Who wasn't able to bear it? Save folk. Why were saved folk able to bear the deep truths of the things of God? Because their mind was not set on the spirituals. Their mind was set on carnality. Verse 3 says, for you are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envy and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? Rhetorical question. No need to answer it. God already knows, and so do you. There's plenty of strife, division. There's, there's plenty of jealousy and envy inside every church in the world, and that's why some churches never move into truly impacting their community. Some churches never move. Some churches never get traction into being who God wants them to be. Why? Infighting. Infighting. Always trying to put out fires on the inside. Listen, I am not here to argue with you. I am not here to fight with you. That's why we made a decision when we started this church. 15 years ago, that we are not going to have to agree on everything as long as we agree on Jesus. We don't have to agree on everything as long as we believe that Jesus is the only way. And we have to, listen, hear me good. If you want to be the man, the woman God wants you to be, here's your only choice. You're going to have to love me in spite of me. And you're going to have to let me love you in spite of you. If I have to earn your love, I, let's quit now. If I have to be perfect for you to love me, let's quit now. Why? Because you can't be perfect for me to love you. We got to love each other in spite of each other because that's the command that God has given us. And in our text, in verse 5 of Romans 8, the word says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. You want to find out if you're carnal? You want to find out if you're fleshly? You want the, the litmus test of the Holy Word of God? Here it is in verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, here's what they do. They set their mind on the things of the flesh. Say, set my mind. This is your job. Stop waiting on God to fix everything for you. you got to set your mind. You stop waiting on the pastor to preach you happy. Stop waiting on the worship team to sing you happy. Stop waiting on other people to pray you through and set your mind. If you're ever going to be who God wants you to be, you have to set your mind. We just saw part of the fruit of spirit is self-control. Too many people waiting on God to do everything, but there are certain things that God has left up to us to do. It didn't say the fruit of the Spirit is God control. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. There's some things that we have to do for our own spirituality, and one of them is to set our own mind 
on the things of the flesh. Now, can God help us? Sure he can. Read more word. It'll position your mind to be molded and shaped by God. Sing more songs that make you think about God. Hang out, talk about Christ more. Involve yourself in ministry more. Wrap yourself up in the spirituals, and it will help keep your mind stayed on God. But the reality is I can't set your mind for you. Your spouse, your significant other can't set your mind for you. Mama and them can't set your mind for you. For you, those who live according to the flesh, why are they living according to the flesh? Because they set their mind on the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit have set their mind on the things of the Spirit. You really want, you really want to see what your life looks like? Review what you did this past week. This is why the most successful people in the history of the world were big journalers. I haven't been journaling a lot lately, but I can tell you in seasons of my life when I journaled, it gave me a great opportunity to really see where I was at. Start writing down what you do over the course of a week and then look back at it. Start writing down how much time you spend watching TV. Write down what you watch on TV. Start writing down how much time you spend in the Word, how much time you spend in the spirituals, and you'll see what your mind is set on. You want a quicker view? You don't want to go through all that writing down? Look look at your bank statement for the last 90 days and see where you spent most of your money. That'll give you a good idea of what you set your mind on. Listen, if do, do you realize that there are certain people that if you looked at their, just their Walmart bill, you could tell what, what they really love? You see a bunch of hunting and fishing stuff on there? Guess what? Hunting and fishing. You, you, you see a bunch of steaks and chicken and, and pork on there? Guess what? They like cooking out, and they're not vegetarians. You can see a lot of stuff from where people spend their money. Why? Because it reveals who they really are on the inside. And I want you to know coming to church is not going to get your mind set for you. I wish it did. I wish that coming to church was the, the magic drug that people want it to be. You can come to church every time the doors are open, but if you don't set your mind on things that are above, you're never going to get better. I've had people tell me, Pastor Scott, I don't understand. I raised my kids in church. I, I took them to church every time the doors were open, and they still went off the rails. They still went off the frame. Listen, church is not the whole answer. Now, if you set your mind on spirituals and you come and you listen and you try to let God speak to you, then you're moving in the right direction. But this is up to you, say me. Take personal responsibility for how your mind is set. If you don't like the direction of your life, I'm going to give you something deep right here. You don't like what you're getting out of life. You don't like what, what direction your life is heading in. You don't like what's been going on in your world lately. Here's something deep for you. Change it. Listen, for things to change, you got to make a change. And everybody wants somebody else to change. Well, Pastor Scott, as soon as the election's over, if my president wins, then I'm going to change. Then I'll start praying for the nation. Well, as, as soon as we get through spring break, as soon as we get... Listen, the calendar is set, so there's always one thing in front of you that you can procrastinate over. There's always going to be a, well, as soon as my kids move out, or as soon as this happens, as soon as I get this other job, as soon as I get this season of life behind me, then I'm going to become. Listen, that day will never come. The Bible says if you wait for perfect conditions to do something, you'll never do it. It's never a perfect time to serve God. But you've got to set your mind on spiritual things if you really want to live a God type of life. See, I'm convinced that most people who are saved are not experiencing the blessings of salvation. What, what, what the psalmist tell us? That there are benefits to serving the Lord. The, the, the Bible tells us to not forget God's benefits. Well, the average Christian doesn't really feel benefits in serving the Lord. They feel obligation. They don't really feel benefits in serving the Lord. They feel, oh, God, one, I got to go because, you know, if I don't go, they're going to say I didn't come. And, you know, then they're going to condemn me. And then I'm going to be condemned because none of us know what the Scriptures say in Romans chapter 8. Listen, it's not about obligation. It's about joyful living. It's not about doing what the church wants you to do. It's about living on a plane so much higher than what most people ever live on that you find joy unspeakable and full of glory. But the average church member, truly saved Christian, never finds that. Why? Because they've set their mind on the flesh more than the spirit. How can we prove it? Can you talk more about sports than you can the Bible? Every woman's like, no, hallelujah, I cannot. I'm a good Christian woman. Listen, it, it was like, I don't know, maybe four years ago. Uh, I mean, all y'all, see, I, I, I probably got more degrees than, than anybody in this room right now um, in theology. 
But it was just a couple of years ago that I learned the term, all y'all are so much smarter than me, especially women, because y'all been knowing for a long time what I just finally figured out because I had to ask a woman, what is BOGO? (laughs) I'm seeing all this BOGO. Was this like a new website? Is this a mobile app? A BOGO? What? What? Bo, we see, if you can talk more about where the BOGO is than you can Scripture, if you can tell your, buy one, get one, free. Y'all know, listen, if you can talk more about your children's upbringing than you can about the upbringing of Christ, if you can talk more about the natural stuff than you can about the spiritual stuff, then you're telling the truth on where you're at. The Bible says that we got to set our minds on one or the other. Listen, if you don't choose to set your mind on the spirituals, you will default to the flesh. It doesn't take any energy at all to sit down in front of the television to just try to unwind. You know, that's what we tell ourselves as men. Well, I just need to unwind. Y'all leave me alone. Be quiet. I just need to unwind. I just, I, I just need to sit here for a minute get my mind right. Men, anybody? Just me? Well, y'all need help. But that, you know, little unwinding, decompressing, it, it don't take any effort at all for that to go from 30 minutes to four hours. You don't believe me? I mean, I know I ain't the only man in here that ever realized I've seen the same sports center three times since I sat down on this chair. <laughs> this thing has just rolled back around, and it's the exact same sports center. You, you don't think that it's, you can just sit there by default and realize it's been five hours. I ain't even got up to use the bathroom. Why? Because one game went off and another one came on. What am I telling you? Default switch, bad. Setting your mind on God, difficult, but worthwhile. We got to make a choice to set our mind. Romans 8, 5 in the New Living says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. So if you think about sinful things, scripturally, you're dominated by your sin nature. It goes on to say, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. How much time do you spend thinking about your lifestyle pleasing God? See, most of us don't have time for that. Most of us don't have time to even squeeze God in. That's why we only read the Bible a couple days a week. That's why we, we don't come to church. We don't say prayers. We don't serve God as much as we should because we have, what, busy lives. And we let God fall in where he wants to. God didn't send his son Jesus to be beaten, stripped naked, hang on a cross between earth and heaven, die and raise himself from the dead three days later so we could squeeze him in when it's convenient. He didn't give his everything so we could just make him a side note. He gave his everything, and he wants to be our everything. We got to learn how to put God first. We got to learn how to concentrate on the things of God. We've got to learn how to set our mind. Say, set my mind. We got to set our mind on spiritual things. Romans 8, 6 says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, I talked to you guys last week about some things that are literal and some things that are figurative, some things that are um, metaphorical, some things that aren't actually happening. The Bible says that if you're carnally minded, that's death. Well, we got a whole lot of carnally minded people in this world that are still breathing. So it's not talking about a literal death. It's talking about a spiritual death. It's talking about a living death. It's talking about not being alive the way God wants you to. And listen, if you're saved, but you're thinking about the flesh more than you're thinking about the spirit, you're not as alive as God wants you to be. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Here's the promise from God. If you will set your mind on the spirituals, if you will think more about God's things than your own things, then you're going to come alive and your life is going to be flooded with more living and more peace. And this is what the world needs. This is what the world needs. I'm convinced that the average Christian, what, what they really need uh, At the top of their list, three good days of sleeping for people to leave them alone. What if you could have that? Just me? What if you could just have three good days of sleep and no drama? Well, that's probably not going to happen because life is going to keep churning. But if you will set your mind on spirituality, if you will set your mind on the things of God and you'll start putting more spiritual things in your mind than natural things, you will find the life and the peace that God has determined for us because I'm convinced most of us are living below God's best for our life. That's not even debatable, but we can talk about it at a later date if you want to. If your thoughts are always worldly, that's a living death for God's child. But if your thoughts are spiritual, you're going to live a life 
of peace. Why? Verse 7 says, because the carnal mind, the worldly, the fleshly, the natural mind is enmity against God. It's set against God. It's at war with God. It's not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. If your mind is set on the flesh, then nothing I can do to tell you about God. Nothing mom and them can do about to tell you about God. Nothing anybody can do to get you to where God wants you to be. Why? Because carnality does not submit to God. Carnality is birth and lives and is rooted in rebellion. Carnality does not say, well, maybe I'll consider God. Carnality says, I'm going to do me. If you ever get to the place where you're just really bold enough to say, I don't care what the Bible says, what mom and them think about me, I'm just going to do me, let me warn you, you are on thin ice. You are heading for disaster. You are heading for a trial. I had somebody tell me one time, I don't care if God judges me. I don't care what God does to me. I'm going to do me. I thought, man, you just do not know how much stronger God is than you are. We need to learn how to get our minds positioned on the right thing because the default switch, the natural mind, just defaults to rebellion. The natural mind just defaults to not being obedient to God. The New American Standard Version says the, natural, the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God for it does not subject itself to the law of God. It's not even able to do so. The law or, or the mind that's set on the flesh is hostile toward God. You know why some people, every time Jesus is brought up, they just get irritable? Because they're in the flesh. You know why some people, when they start getting around really saved folk, they start getting around people who live better than them, they want to say, oh, well, I don't like her because she's just so holier than thou. I love to tell them, no, oh, well, I don't think she's holier than thou. I think you're just mad because she's holier than you. <laughs> oh, y'all don't want to be honest this morning. Listen. People get irritated when they get around sold-out, fire-baptized folk who are really living something, and they want to say, oh, I don't take all that, and I don't believe they're perfect anyway. They didn't say they were perfect. They're just excited about Jesus, and their excitement for Jesus bothers you. Why? Because your fleshly and fleshly folk are what? Hostile toward God. That's why you got all these people sitting home right now around America. When I was in seminary in the early 80s, they talked about two classifications of people, churched and unchurched. They also labeled them saved and unsaved. Well, there's not two classifications of people anymore. It's not just people who are churched and unchurched. It's church, unchurched, and used to be churched, or what I call the de-churched. That's why there's so many millions of people sitting at home today that used to serve God fully inside church, but they got jacked up inside church. Somebody treated them wrong inside church. Somebody dissed them hard. They got out there, and they started listening to these jammed-up viral videos about why Jesus hates church. Let me tell you something. Jesus don't hate church. Listen to these jacked up videos about why God hates religion. God doesn't hate religion. God hates crazy. God, God is not into people being against each other. There are so many people that are sitting at home right now convinced they're more right with God than us. Well, I love Jesus, but I don't feel the need for institutional religion. You hear anybody make any phrase like that at all, just look at them and say, hostile. That's the root of where they're at. There's hostility inside them. Why? Because they've been hurt. Okay, I get that. Let me give you a little extra news flash this morning. Nowhere in the Bible will you see where it's the pastor's job to coddle people's feelings. This is the truth. People are like, well, blah, 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 and the pastor didn't even do this for me. I'm going to tell you something. My job is to give myself to prayer and study. My job is to tell you the truth because I got to answer for God for what I taught, not if I stop by on your birthday. Let me keep moving. I got, I got the right mess, but the wrong crowd. I'm going to get you all out of here early today so you all quit throwing these looks at me. Let me ask you a real question. Don't answer out loud. Does your mind lean more to worldly things or spiritual things? When you're alone with your thoughts, does your thought drift more to natural? You say, I don't know, Pastor. All these deep questions. Early in the morning, I'm half asleep. What are you talking about? Well, Check your history search on the Internet. That'll let you know where your mind drifts to. Pull up your YouTube history. Look, look at the last five things you looked at on YouTube. That'll let you know what your mind drifts to. Think about the last thing you actually sat down and read. Do you know the average person in this room right now? You know how many books the average person? Let's just play a guessing game because y'all ain't trying to hear much. Let's play a guessing game. How many books do you think the average person in this room has read 
in the last year. Who said zero? Dead on it. Good to see you, brother. Zero. That's a fact. You know why? How are we going to read books when we got the Internet? How are we going to read books when we got TV? How are we going to read books? There's a new premiere coming out. Hey, there's always opening. It's opening seat. Baseball is my favorite sport. I grew up playing baseball. Love baseball. It's opening week. How are we going to concentrate on anything? There's always opening something. You realize there's always playoffs for something. They set sports up so where you drift right from March Madness right into the opening of baseball, right into spring training for football, right into the playoffs for this and the playoffs for that. Football playoffs, well, I don't know, hockey, nobody watches that here, but, I mean, there's always some next thing trying to steal your attention off of the spiritual things. Verse 8 says, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. That's the biggest ouch verse for real Christians in the Bible. You know why? Because everybody that's really saved wants to please God. Everybody that's truly saved, none of us are doing perfect. None of us are doing great. I get that. But every real child wants their daddy to be proud of them. They want their father. They want to be able to say yes to their father. They want to make dad happy. Every true Christian wants God to be pleased with them, even when we know we're failing. But here's the ouch of it all. They that are in the flesh cannot, can't do it. Not if you try real hard, not if you bounce back and forth, not if you do extra work during the week. No, it cannot be done. What is the word saying? If you don't set your mind right, none of your efforts will result in God being pleased with you. And for the Christian, that's the ultimate gut kick. That's a throat punch. That's a wrap. Why? Because we want God to be pleased with us, even when we're backslidden, even when we're not doing right. If we really are saved, we love God, and we want Him to be pleased with us. But the Scripture says it cannot happen if we got our minds set on the wrong thing. Colossians 3 talks a lot about putting off the old and putting on the new. Here we're looking at setting your mind on the spiritual versus setting your mind on the carnal. If you're going to be saved and please God, it's going to take work. Say work. You can't just drift in and out of this thing. You can't just approach God every now and then. you got to constantly be putting off the old ways and putting on the new ways. you got to get up in the morning. you got to set your mind right. you got to decide that I'm going to put on the mind of Christ and let Scott's thoughts and dreams go to the side because if I'm left to myself, I'm going to bring my own life into a train wreck. That's why some people only last so long in church. They want to do right. They want to live right. But because their mind is so set on fleshly things, they can't please God anyway. So they come to church, and guess what they become? Hostile. That's why they're always hanging out looking for some. Can you believe so-and-so? Listen, you're like, Pastor, I just, what does the voice of God sound like? I already told you. You want to hear the voice of God? This is what the voice of God sounds like. Turn the pages in the Bible. You'll hear the voice of God. Say, Pastor Scott, what does the voice of the devil sound like? Oh, girl, did you hear so-and-so did such-and-such? That's what the voice of the devil sounds like. You want to know what the voice of the devil sounds like? I can't believe I heard Pastor Scott did blah, blah, and blah, and and X, Y. That's the voice of the devil. Why? Because it's birthed in hostility and rebellion. And it wants to put the focus on somebody else's imperfections so you never have to deal with your own. It wants to put the focus on somebody else's lack of spirituality so you never have to set your mind on the things of God. And listen, I don't want you to set your mind on things of God so you'll be a blessing to me. I want you to set your mind on things of God so you'll be a blessing to you. I want you to set your mind on things of God because if you're really saved, that's who you want to be anyway. If you're really saved, that's the life that you want to live anyway. Verse 9 in our text says, But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Those of us who are saved have God's Spirit living on the inside of us. Now, there is a false doctrine permeating the Pentecostal movement. You say, Pastor Scott, are we Pentecostal? We are full gospel. Everything the Bible says we believe in, signs, wonders, miracles, all that. But we believe in good theology. We're an orthodox, fundamental church embracing the theology from thousands of years ago that the apostles and the prophets held. If it's new, it ain't true, Solomon said. Listen, what am I saying? There are entire denominations that believe that you can be saved but not have the Holy Ghost. You can be saved and not flowing in the Spirit. 
You can be saved and not overflowing in the Holy Ghost. You can be saved and not fully immersed in the spirituals. That word immersed is where we get our word baptism. But the Scripture says if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Another verse says if anyone has not the Holy Spirit, he is none of God's. Listen, if you're saved at all, you don't have to pray for the Holy Spirit to come inside you. That's the proof text. The Bible says that's the earnest. That's the down payment. The down payment of our redemption is that God put his spirit inside us. He gave us the first portion that is going to lead us in to the further portion. If you're saved, you've got the Holy Spirit. If you've got the Holy Spirit, then you do not have to live in the flesh. Because God lives inside you, and you have a choice. Say choice, and I'm going to finish it with this. You have a choice to choose your carnal switch or your spiritual switch. Your carnal switch will always be there, and it will work on default. If you choose nothing, you have defaulted into fleshly living. But because if you're saved, the Spirit of God lives inside of you already, you can flip into your spirituality and be who God wants you to be. The Bible says that to be spiritually minded brings life and peace. Too many people aren't living the abundant life Jesus talked about. And it hurts as a pastor to watch good people, Christian people, not happy, not overflowing with joy, don't, don't, don't have this peace that passes all understanding, aren't blessed and highly favored, aren't living above their situation the way the Bible tells us that we can. Why? Because they won't set their mind on the right things. So they're living below God's plan for their life. It's like if your father was a multi-billionaire, but you just refused to do what he said, so you just left and decided to just go be homeless and broke when all your brothers and sisters were living in dad's house doing great. Well, you set your mind on the wrong thing. Let me tell you this. If you're here and you're a Christian, God has an incredible life available to you, a life filled with joy righteousness and peace the book of Romans tells us a life filled with acceptance from the father a life filled with intimacy with God a life where you really can have a personal relationship with the only true God that there is that created everything that is the God who created the mountains wants to be close to you the God who created the sea wants to be close to you wants to be your friend, wants to have daily relationship with you. But we want to set our mind on the wrong thing. And we don't walk in this abundance that God has for us. We don't walk in this peace. We're not living. We're not. I talk to people all the time. And if I had to make a a real assessment, Pastor Scott, are most people that are saved living? No, they're existing. And there's a big difference between living and existing. Existing is just hanging on. Existing is going to have you in the same place six months from now that you are right now. Existing is never going to create forward movement in your life, and it's never going to bring more peace and more joy in your life. Existing is not going to make your community better. It's not going to leave a legacy for your family. Existing is not going to allow you to tap into God's strength. Living will. Living the life that God has for you will. But to do that, you got to set your mind on the right thing. That takes work. That takes effort. That takes saying no to the wrong stuff and saying yes to the right stuff. That takes turning off the TV and the Internet and hanging up the phone and getting on your knees and praying. That takes spending time in the Bible and letting God talk to you more than we let the TV and the radio talk to us. What have I told you this morning? Number one, don't miss this. God does not condemn us. Rejoice in that. Rejoice in that. God doesn't condemn you. God's not holding your past against you. Let go of where you failed him in the past and just decide that today you want to be all that he wants you to be and set your mind on the right thing. Second thing I said, it's possible for real Christians to be spiritual or carnal. Too many people believe that this choice isn't there, but the Bible is redundant about this issue. You, if you're truly saved this morning, and I'm talking to Christians, You have a choice to either be spiritual or carnal. You got to make that decision. You got to set your mind on spirituality because if you don't, it will default to carnality. Third, we have to choose the life we want. 
Now, if I went around the room before I preached this morning and I said, just answer the question, do you want to live the life God has for you, yes or no? You know most people would say yes. That option's there. It's always been there. God said from the very beginning, I set before you a choice, a blessing or a curse, a blessing if you choose to obey me and a curse if you don't. That choice is ours to make. God wants to bless his children, but you choose the life that you want. Do you want to live a life of peace and joy? Do you want to live a life above your circumstances? Do you want to live a life of blessing? Of course you do, but there's work that has to be done. So many people are sitting back wondering when God's going to step in and start blessing them. God's not going to bless a mess. But if you set your mind on the spiritual things, God will give you life, peace, righteousness, and joy. Last thing, and you need to be sure about this. All saved people have the Holy Ghost. If you don't feel something on the inside you that convicts you when you sin, you are not saved. If you don't feel something on the inside you that keeps drawing you back to God always, no matter how far you get away from him, you are not saved. If you don't feel something on the inside of you telling you, I need to do better, I ought to read my Bible more, I ought to serve God more, I need to get right with my tithes and my offerings. If you don't feel something on the inside of you, the Bible says that it's the Spirit's job to convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He compels us to do more, and he constrains us from messing up too much. If you don't have anything on the inside of you other than your willpower to be a good person, then you don't have true salvation. See, salvation is not about willpower. Salvation is not about turning over a leaf to be a more religious person. Salvation has nothing to do with morality and being able to do more right. Salvation has something to do with God coming to live on the inside of you and giving you desires that you didn't used to have. And I want you to let those desires take hold in your life. Because when you begin to set your mind on the spiritual things, God's going to flood your life with joy. And the church needs that. People come in, not just to Abundant Life, but churches all around the nation. People come into churches, visiting churches, they're hurting. They left the last church for a reason. Or they've never been in church. People are hurting. People need help. People need answers. If they come into church and they don't see joy, They come into church and they don't see satisfaction. They come into church and they don't see real love. Why would they stay? Why would they want what we have to offer them if what we have to offer them is bogus? Why would they want what we have to offer them if what we have to offer them is less than exciting and less than amazing? See, church and religion is boring and dull and a pain in the back. But having a real living relationship with Jesus Christ, it's a blast. It's a party all day long. It'll take you from not liking the stuff you hear about, Christians talking about, to wanting that to be your whole life and nothing else. Proverbs 28.20 says that faithful people abound in blessings. If your life's not abounding in blessings, it's the last hard truth I'm going to give you today. There's been plenty already. If your life's not abounding in blessings, you're not being faithful. Ouch. If your life is not abounding in blessings, then you are not being faithful. How can I know that? You judging me? No. It's not judging you to say it was cool this morning. 63 degrees is cool to me. It's not judging. If it's 63 degrees, if it's raining outside and I say it's raining outside, I'm not judging the weather. I'm just telling you what IS is. And... The Bible is true. And it says that faithful people abound in blessings. So when you're not abounding in blessings, you need to check your faithfulness. Stop complaining about your last church, your last Christian friend. Stop complaining about what Elder Rob and Pastor Scott, what the deacons don't do. Stop complaining about what you wish was different in life and get faithful. Set your mind on spirituality. Invest in your own spirituality and let God Begin to fill you with his love and his goodness and his grace. And let God use you for his glory. I want to see God bless you. But you got to make the choice. Do you want to be carnal? Or do you want to be spiritual? Carnal will happen on its own. Spiritual will take a lot of work. See, there's nothing in this book that lines up with the preaching you hear on Christian TV today. 
Very little of what they're saying is really even in this book. God's not looking to give you all the money in the world. God's not looking to make life easy on you. Come to Jesus and all your troubles will go away. That's not in this book. God never promised anything would be easy. But it is worth it. And I hope you can say with the hymn writer of old, I'd rather have Jesus than anything. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that by your spirit you would draw us to setting our mind on the spirituals. God, give us a passion to read your word. Give us a passion to pray. God, give us a hunger and a thirst to know you more. Help us, God, to move beyond natural, boring lives and to move into the supernatural excitement of serving a living God. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you, God, for allowing us this option that we can choose to set our mind on spiritual things and have a life that's vibrant and full of peace. God, I ask you to bless your people. Lord, I pray for each person who's come in this place today. We all have different hurts. We all have different needs, and you know us all. You know the thoughts of our mind and the intents of our heart. So, God, I pray you'd heal, save, and deliver. Strengthen your people. Pour your love out on those who don't even know you yet, God. God, I pray that you'd begin to raise up Christians around the world who would tell more of your love, who would go out and let everybody know that you don't want to condemn us, that you want to bless us. Help us to walk in your blessing is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We truly appreciate the opportunity to pour into your lives each week. For more information or to donate to Abundant Life's ministry, please check out our website at www.alcfnow.org.